Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. And I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Rich Rusikoff. Rich, you are a speaker, you are a serial entrepreneur, you are a best-selling author and coach. Your book is People, Time, and Money, and your website is coachtothebest.com. Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Josh, for having, having me. And so what is, I mean, so when we, obviously, coach to the best, that sounds very compelling. What, what makes you a coach to the best? I coach the best. And if they're not, um, it's my job to help them think best and be best. And, you know, entrepreneurs sometimes can easily lose sight of their role as a leader. They can get caught up in anxiety. And what gets you to one level will not get you to the next level. So you have to reinvent yourself. And when I say levels, this came from when I was working with Inc. And we studied in those days, in 1987, we studied the class of 1985 uh, when it was just 500. And our goal was to find the secret sauce. But what we found instead was that 18 to 20% of the companies that made the Inc. 500 list historically are out of business within two years. What? Yep. Well, there's a lot of reasons. First of all, high growth is high risk. Mm. And if you can't reinvent yourself, uh, you're, you have a problem. So we broke it down into three stages of growth for a company to begin with. The first stage is you find your niche. It's the startup stage. You come to the point where maybe you get to a million dollars, you have about 10 people working for you, and you, you've arrived in terms of there's a market for what you're selling. So the next stage is 10 to 25 people. And this is operations focused. Systems has, have to be developed. People have to be hired, the right people for the job. And sometimes people that get you to one level cannot get you to the next level, which leads to a couple challenges for entrepreneurs. One of them is to let somebody go who was invaluable at one point and no longer has the skills to take the company to the next level. It's a tough test. The, um, the other thing that you have to do is reinvent yourself. Think about this. So 10 to 25 is exciting. You're bringing in new talent, new people, departments emerge, and it's wonderful. 25 to 50 is purgatory. 
because this is the transformational stage where you go from mom and pop to a professional company, which means if you're not there, it doesn't matter. The company can run. But most companies get caught up in that 25 to 50 stage and never get out of it. And my job is to help companies grow, particularly companies that are high growth. I'm working with a company right now. They did $10 million the first year. Wow, and, not bad. <laughs> and we're in phase two now. And we're seeing that we're losing money because we don't get it right the first time, because uh, we don't have the right systems in place. We're discovering we may have really good talent for one aspect of their job, but they don't have the skills for what else we put on their plate and they don't have the bandwidth. So my job is to help the CEO get through that. And I look to coach people that I think are lifetime learners that that have humility. And there's no way you get to 25 people and don't find humility. Uh, so That is true. <laughs> well, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yes. Uh, I don't coach startups for two reasons. One, they don't know what they don't know yet. And they can't necessarily recognize value or insights because they don't have the context. And the other reason, I, I don't want to say to somebody, that idea sucks. I don't want to squelch somebody's ability to bring something into the market. So what I work with is lifetime learners who recognize that they are on a path and they need a coach, they need help in making the right decisions and being able to see what might be around the corner. And I've been coaching since the mid eighties and I've, I've seen so much and I see what's coming and it gives a CEO comfort that once they get to that point, they say, ah, now I get it. Now I get it. So did I answer the question or not quite? I think so, yes. And my next question has to do with CEO founders who realize they no longer enjoy the position or they enjoy the role. And I suspect that this is not uncommon that you know, it's fun taking a company up to a certain point, and then maybe it just gets too political, it just gets bogged down, and it's like they feel like they don't have the flexibility and freedom that they did in the earlier stages. Is this something that you encounter? Uh, very definitely. And when a CEO gets there and they're not having fun and they're not enjoying it, I, I think life is too short. Um, and I don't, it's not so much life is too short, but it's too precious not to be doing what you love. And what I find is, for example, with this company I'm telling you about, he's constantly, the CEO, being brought back into operations. And what he is, is he's a relationship builder. 
He's a visionary. He has ideas. And he shouldn't be making the trains run. He should be the visionary and the leader that provides the resources the company needs and makes the relationships with banks and vendors and key people, including clients in the marketplace. And if that's not your zone of genius, if that's not what you love to do, then why are you doing it? And so that's where you may want to look at flipping. Or I was just talking a, a month ago to a client that uh, I coached in the 90s. And he said, Rich, you gave me the best advice I ever got. I said, what did I tell you? And he said, I was looking at selling my business. And it's, it was a service business. And we determined the multiple would be under three um, of EBITDA. And I said to him, why don't you keep the business, create a team where you just have to come in one day a week and you can continue to make the same revenue or dollars to your bottom line. And that's what he's done. He's still there and it's grown and he's gotten out of the way and he has great people. So that's the other thing, right people in the right seat, because if they're not, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. And I would imagine a really big part of this, and and I, this likely comes up a lot to, you know, to your point that you just mentioned, is hiring the right leaders, um, attracting great managers as well. You know, if I think about all of the work that needs to get done within my organization, one of the fastest hires that that I tried to make because I know is I know my personality, uh, mm -hmm. COO type stuff. Not my favorite work. <laughs> I, man, do I love teaching. I love speaking. I love making an impact in the world. That kind of that visionary type stuff. I love the ideas. I don't like getting involved in the execution at all. So, you know, er, you know so far, you know, we've, we've worked pretty hard to, to bring in good people so that I don't have to do that work. Um, but I would imagine this is, again, not too uncommon. It's not only just I don't have to do it but I don't want it. And I had a client that fought with me for, I can't afford to hire the level COO. Uh. And I said to him, let's, if you did, what would you be doing? I'd be getting more business. I'd be building relationships. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, what is your lost opportunity cost doing what you don't like as opposed to what you should be doing and tell me you can't afford that. Exactly. If and you know, agreed. And I think a lot of the founders, you know, there there are a lot of visionaries out there. And um, but but the other side of this, I wanted to ask you is attracting and um, and, and cultivating great leaders and managers. Are, are there any kind of you know, tenants that, that you find yourself focusing on around that concept? Well, first of all, uh, I'm a big believer in personality profiles when you hire somebody. Yes. Uh, I want to know, it, it, are they a detail person? 
Do they make decisions quickly? Do they make decisions slowly? What are their strengths and how to manage them? And if uh, they don't have the of uh, the aptitude for the specific job I want, uh, I don't want to hire them. I may hire them for something else, but the ability to hire great people or to grow people in your organization over time that has those skills is, is a huge difference in whether a company succeeds or not. One of the things you said on your social media is the most incredible opportunities are within. What does that mean? Um, that's a wonderful quote. And I, I have a seminar where I talk about uh, the five opportunities. It's, it's within you, the real opportunities. You know what you want to do. You're the visionary. You're the one that wants to make things happen. And if you're aligned with who you are, with your purpose, and you see opportunities, and you know how to execute, and you're not one of these guys that jump off the diving board without checking if there's any water in it, um, then it's a wonderful place to be. So it starts with yourself and who you are. And do you see, you know, there's a great uh, line about, is the glass half full or half empty? Optimist, pessimist. The entrepreneur says underutilized and they see opportunities and they're able to take an opportunity from a vision, bring in the talent they need, and make it happen. Your website is coachtothebest.com. And on there, um, obviously, you can learn about your books. And congratulations on the bestseller status and the fact that People, Time, and Money is a sequel. It's volume two. What, what are the, uh, who, who should be reading People, Time, and Money, volume one or two, and what is the transformation that will take place? Wow, you just put me a softball right over the plate there, <laughs> Josh. Get ready, wind up, just swinging that bat. <laughs> well, let me tell you the origin of the title. I have had a client 20 years ago, and he started three businesses. Uh, over a six month period. And he brought in people that knew how to operate, but they weren't entrepreneurs. So he had the right person for that operations position we talked about, but they weren't visionaries and he didn't have the bandwidth or the understanding that somebody had to be the visionary. Somebody had to be looking at the numbers as opposed to hiring somebody who's in their comfort zone, but doesn't know how to run a business. So the people side is you're only as good as the village you create. And what I do is uh, I pick stories and things from what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, coaching people. And I'll go back in the book 
uh, and write something that something just triggered. Uh, for example, tomorrow's post is my best of food for thought Friday. And it's about the importance of play and how play is as important or more important than the work. So you refresh, you renew. And I talked to a COO and I said, here's your assignment for this weekend. I want you to block out two hours on Saturday and two hours on Sunday to play. And she had no idea how to play. So part of what the people aspect of the book is getting the best out of yourself. How do you find your best self? How do you find the right people? How do you give them messages that inspire them? How do you not beat them up? And how do you grow them? So without people, you can't do it. The time aspect is where do you put your time and energy? Are you putting it in the right place? And there's a terrific book called The Power of Full Engagement. And Tony Schwartz is one of the authors. And, what they, and when I saw the book in a Barnes and Noble, I saw the subheading, which said, that it's not time management, it's energy management that we need. Right. Yes. yes. You came on this call in our first two minutes, I knew you were on fire. And your energy comes through and positive energy is contagious. So you want to look at, are you, is your energy being sapped or enhanced by what you're doing. And so I talk about how to get the best out of your time and your energy. And it's all about what do you want for your life? How do you make it happen? How do you be an entrepreneur who's got two kids at home, a third on the way, and one foot's in the business and one foot's trying to take care of the kids. And uh, a client I work with by the name of Damon Gersh figured it all out. He doesn't call it work-life balance. He calls it work-life integration. In April, he always goes to Jazz Fest. In March, he goes to spring training. He knows when he wants to be home and when to travel. And he makes the best of his time uh, for his family, for himself, and for uh, his company. So, and the money side is so critical. If, you, if you're leaving opportunities on the table, if your margins are shrinking, if you don't know how to read a balance sheet, if you don't know why a balance sheet is more important than the P&L, uh, I'll, I'll tell you why, because the balance sheet is your scorecard. Are you growing or are you going in the other direction? And so many CEOs hire a bookkeeper or an accountant. They get statements once a month. They think the balance sheet is, oh, that's something like uh, taking vitamins. I have to look at this. But they, <laughs> they, don't, 
understand what it is. So how do you maximize making money? How do you keep your business going? I'm about to do in two weeks a program for one of my clients called Creating a Culture of Profitability. And to give you an example, one of the things we're going to talk about is how to make expense management a profit center. And let me give you an example. Let's say you're bringing 10% to the bottom line to make it easy. If I can save $100, it's the equivalent of making $1,000 because the same 10% comes to the bottom line. And do I know where, who are my cash cows and my sick puppies as I grow? And do I know how to read a financial statement and know what the KPIs are for everyone and for growth? So it all comes together with people, time, and money. And then I do lots of stories, which are personal which are growth stories, which are lessons learned. And I write a post called Food for Thought every day. And the books come out of the post. Today, I did a post on um, the ten, my 10 commandments of communications. And uh, on any given day, it'll be a different subject. Yeah, and then sure. we compile them all together and we create the book for people, time, and money. Rich, your website, thank you so much, is coachtothebest.com. Your book, which is on Amazon, it's called People, Time, and Money. There's volume one and volume two. Uh, and again, Rich Russikoff, uh, speaker, serial entrepreneur, number one best-selling author. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Josh. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.